Welcome to another Look Podcast, beloved. I'm your host, Minister Kenneth Davis, a.k.a. the Esquire who's on fire for the Lord. This podcast is designed to take a second look, albeit sometimes even a critical look, into our beliefs and approach with those who may not share our same beliefs and faith. How can we reach someone we're unwilling to understand and respect? Maybe we need to tear down and rebuild. Let's begin the process, my brother and sister. You ready? Let's go. Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. Hey, this is another Look Podcast. This is your brother, brother Kenneth L. Davis, brother Kenny D, coming back to you. Um, we are now in our back in our series of Believer to Follower. I believe this is episode six. Um, we're in the book of James, the third chapter. Um, and for this particular episode, this is going to be entitled Tongue Troubles. <laughs> God help me. And why am I saying that? Because I am not a master of this. Um, I, like I said in the beginning of this podcast, when we first started in 2021, I'm doing this podcast not because I've arrived at these areas and things that I'm talking about. I'm speaking because I'm being actually disciplined in these areas as I share with you. So the things that God is sharing with me, that he gives me the okay to share, I share with you because we're going through it together for those who follow um, the Lord. So I'm going to jump into this in tongue troubles. And we're in the book of James, the third chapter, verses one through 12. And also before I get started, if you have not done so, please subscribe to our podcast. We're on uh, I think at this point, 17 different platforms, the most prevalent being Apple Podcast, um, of course, um, Spotify, um, as well as Google Podcast and Amazon Music. And we're also on iHeartRadio, Reasons, Stitcher, um, you name it, we're there. Thank God. That's all glory to God. Um, so I want to get started. Let's get into James um, verses 1 through 12. We're going to talk about tongue troubles. And again, if you're like me, we're in this together. Amen. I'm going to be reading this from the New Living Translation. And throughout these scriptures, and, and let me just give you a heads up, this is not going to be a short episode. So I do apologize for those who are used to maybe half an hour, maybe 40 minutes. At, at, at minimum, it may be 40, 45 minutes. But for sure, if you're really wanting to grow in this area, I just ask that you be patient and also be diligent and listen to what God has to say through me. And hopefully we'll get to the other side of our issues with our tongues and our mouths. Amen. So again, I'm in James, the third chapter, 1 through 12. It says this, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People could tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is, a, it is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing came pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you cannot and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Wow, there's a whole lot there. But let's get started. Let's get started. And I'm going to focus again. Um, I'm going to go you know, through a few, few verses then. Just share what the Lord has put on my heart. Again, let's start with James 3, 1 and 2, where it says, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church. 
For we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could, I'm sorry. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So let's start with this, you know, because there's a lot here to unpack. But one of the things we need to first of all acknowledge that the calling of God comes with accountability to God. I'm going to say that again. Being called by God comes with accountability to God. God warns us that to consider the accountability factor, he, he charges to us if we're going to be a five-fold ministry gift, in particular, those who are called to be teachers. And you can see the five-fold ministry gift in Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And again, I'll read this from a New Living Translation. It says, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. And again, this is in Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. Amen? So, Again, if you're called by God to be a teacher, you got to understand something. He's going to hold you at a higher standard because they, you assume greater accountability and condemnation if you teach incorrectly. That's the key. It's one thing if you teach out of ignorance, meaning you just didn't know. That's not going to hold you accountable for what you don't know. It's going to hold you accountable for what you do know. So if you know the truth and you teach an error intentionally, you're going to be held to a higher standard. Yet that blood, that incorrect teaching is on your hands. And understand this. This standard applies to anyone who's ordained or places themselves in a position to teach the oracles of the kingdom of God. So many run to these positions, these fivefold ministry titles, whether God called them or not. But the thing is, do you understand that? It's not about the titles. It's not about the accolades. Are you ready for the accountability that God will hold you towards for what you're teaching? Even for what you failed to teach when you should have been studying the Word of God, preparing yourself to teach others for what you did not study or for what you omitted, God will hold you accountable for too. It's called sin of omission as well as sins of commission. You're responsible for what you commit to saying, and you're also responsible for what you fail to say. Amen? Now, does it take God by surprise that we may struggle in the area of our mouths and um, in the areas of sinful words that come out of our mouth? No. But what he expects from us is that we bring and to bring unto rain the tongue or your mouth. Um, his desire is that we sin less, especially that we bring our sinful words, our sinful speech under subjection. But the question lends itself is again, well, how do we do that? Well, here's some reality. Anytime we say something, it comes from the heart. So, before we deal with the words, we have to deal with the heart issues. Let's take a look at something. Let's say, let's take a look at Matthew 12, 33, 34. And again, I'm reading this from the New Living Translation. You can pick whatever version you wish to read it from. But again, this is Matthew 12, 33, 34. It says, a tree is identified by its fruit. If a tree is good, its fruit will be good. If a tree is bad, its fruit will be bad. You brood of vipers, you brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. There it is. In, in a nutshell, and I won't go into the background, but basically Jesus was laying out the Pharisees basically saying, look, it's impossible for you to speak anything good out of your heart because I know what's in your heart and what's in your heart is evil. So you being evil can only speak what's in your heart, which is evil. In other words, a tree can only produce of its kind. Let's look at another scripture, 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. And this is how. We are human, 
but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. And after you have become fully obedient, we will punish everyone who remains disobedient. And we met by everyone we everything. So there's a couple of things to look at. Number one, going back to Matthew 12, 33, 34. You need to really understand that most of what you have in your heart, or really you have to address what's in your heart. Which means, look, there may be, there may be, and probably there is mostly evil in your heart. Be honest with that. Confess it. You don't have to confess it to, to other people, but confess it before God. If nobody else, confess it before God that my heart is full of evil. And then going to 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 4, we have to be, we have to begin to pull down the strongholds. We have to begin to look at what's causing all this evil. And what's causing this evil is the strongholds in your heart. In other words, there are fortresses, forts in your heart that house evil. And the question then, and this is where it gets kind of sticky, um, and I'll get into it in a few seconds. But let's, in, in a nutshell, let me put it this way. You change your heart, you change your words. If you can change, or if you can allow God to change your heart, it will change what you say out of your heart. Because in your heart, there is what's called a treasury. The things that you value, the things that you you hold dear are your treasures. And you store your treasures in your heart. Think of it like this. You have a bank. In the bank, you usually have things of value. Your money, your valuables. You have things that you value in your heart. And some of those things are good. But some of them are evil. But here's the reality, y'all. Both of them can't dwell in the same treasury. One will have dominion over the other. There's no such thing as having both good and evil in your heart and being able to coexist like that all your life. It will not fly. One will try to dominate over the other. You can't serve both. So then here's the question. This is what I was getting to. A lot of people will use this as an excuse. Some people say, well, what you think is good, I think is evil. What you think is evil, I think is good. So you can't judge my heart because only God knows my heart. I hear that often. I hear it so often that, <laughs> that, you know, you can't judge me. And I'm not judging you. But, you know, if you feel condemnation or conviction, that's an indicator Specifically conviction, because condemnation comes from the devil, but conviction comes from the Spirit of God. But if you feel either one, maybe an indicator that you have evil in your heart. So then your question I can hear from, all the way from here is, well, what's, how do you define good versus evil? Glad you asked. Take a look at Galatians, the fifth chapter. And we'll take a look at what's evil, and then we'll take a look at what's good. Galatians, the fifth chapter, verses 19 through 20. Here it is. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, there it is. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. There it is. God has listed a list of things that are results of you entertaining your sinful nature. And so, now let's take a look at okay well what's good then glad you asked take a look at Galatians 5 through 23 but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives there is that fruit here are the fruits love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness 
gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Listen, it's, it's God has ironed it out. But again, he didn't iron it out so that you can modify your behavior. He ironed it out so you could take it and measure this against your life and say, am I walking this way? Am I walking with self-control? Am I walking in love? Or am I walking with a dissension? Dissension meaning I like to uh, cause uh, or escalate tension. Do I like to, am I envious? Am I um, always prone to anger? Am I selfish in my ambition? Am I jealous? Do I have outburst anger? You gotta look at this in, in a self-critical way and see, man, if this is more prevalent in my life than this, then I gotta have, I gotta ask God to help me get this treasure in my heart corrected. Because here's the reality: what comes out your mouth indicates what's in your heart. Whatever you say out that mouth is going to always give away what's in your heart. You want to see what's really in a person's heart? Let them keep talking. The more they talk, the more they reveal what's really in their heart. People can front, but only... I'm sorry, I hit my desk. People can only front, but for so long. But eventually, they're going to start speaking, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Let's move on. (laughs) Amen. I know it's tense, it's tight, but it's right, beloved. Let's take a look at James 3, 3 3-4. It says we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rider makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Mm. So here we are. We're, We're conditioned. We're conditioned to believe that power is based on the size or the enormity of a thing. For example, we look at the Empire State Building and we consider that powerful or strong. We look at countries or continents like Russia or the United States and we, or China and we say, well, look at the size of that country. It must be a superpower. Or we look at the size of churches. Look, that's a mega church. They must be doing great things in community. But the power, beloved, is not in the size of the thing we see. But rather the power of a thing is in the minute object we do not see that controls one key element, direction. Whatever or whoever controls the direction or the guidance of the thing is the strongest thing, is the power in that thing. So you see the horse, but do you can see what controls the horse's movement? In other words, do you see the bit in the horse's mouth? You see the huge ship and you see it sailing. But do you see the small rider underneath the ship? Because that's really where the power lies. In us, you see someone, you may see me or you may see someone else, you say, wow, they have the power of God in their mouth. But really, the power of God is depending on who's controlling the tongue of that individual. Don't be so impressed by by what you see. But be mindful of what you don't see. See, you see me, you see someone else, you may see some some other person, and you see them and you you base your based on your physical examination of a person, you based what you want, how you feel about that person. But do you see the heart? See, while man sees the outward appearance, what does God see? The heart. That's how God will know what you're really for. The smallest thing is, is your is is your tongue and your heart. But the tongue's not going to speak what's not in the heart. And so, again, change the heart and you change your words. Let's take a look at verses 5 and 6 in the same chapter. It says, In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Hmm. So in the same sense, what God's saying is people believe that power resides in a physical person, but what guides that person is actually their words or their tongue. 
our tongues produce embers which spark enormous forest fires which are often uncontrollable. But the question then lends itself to this, who and how is our tongue set on fire? So let's take a look at some things. Let's look at the, well, I'll tell you what, let's get to the who sets it on fire. And that you can find it in verse six. It says, it can be set, it can set your whole life on fire for it is set on fire by hell itself. So who sets your tongue on fire? In the natural sense, it's hell, it's Satan. But we'll talk in a few minutes about who wants to set your tongue on fire. See, the tongue's gonna be fire, but the question is, what kind of fire will you have on your tongue? Amen? Wow, there's a whole lot there. But anyway, let's get to how it's set on fire. Um, so one of the ways it's set on fire, you can see in James, the first chapter, verses 14 through 15. And we kind of talked about this, about temptation. But it says, temptation comes from our own desires, which entices us and drags us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So how does our tongue get set on fire? By unchecked temptation. Because when temptation is not checked, it produces fleshly desires. And if we don't get those fleshly desires unchecked, remember by check that we talked about in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6, by bringing down those strongholds. If we don't check our temptation, because here's the thing, temptation again is not the problem. It's when we don't deal with that temptation. Unchecked temptation produces sinful desires unchecked sinful desires beloved produces sinful actions and sinful actions that are not repented of or unchecked produces death you keep talking based on you being tempted by someone someone baiting you into something by saying something that hits a sensitive spot or a hot button and it produces a desire to, to, to hurt that person with your words and when you don't and when you don't check that desire before you speak, then you what? You speak those words that cause hurt and pain. Those are sinful actions. And if you keep speaking without checking that sin and getting it right, you're going to produce death. You're going to produce death. Well, what do you mean by that, Brother Ken? Well, take a look. Proverbs 18, 20 through 21. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. The right words bring satisfaction. The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. See, there are words you can speak that if you speak it according to what God says, it will produce a good meal. It'll produce wisdom. It'll produce satisfaction. Right words bring satisfaction. Wise words satisfy like a good meal. But also, there's the other side of it. If you give, if you yield your tongue to hell and to Satan, it will produce death. We have a choice every time we open our mouth do we want to speak death or life. And those who like to talk and love to talk, not led by God, will reap consequences from that action. So again, what we said the who, but how do we set embers on fire? Unchecked temptation, unchecked desires, unchecked sin, but also strongholds, which we talked about in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 6. Human reasoning is one way we set our tongues on fire because we don't go with godly reasoning. We go with human reasoning, false arguments. In other words, arguments that have no merits but produce falsehoods. Pride. Ungodly pride. And, and that's a whole nother conversation. But that sets embers on fire. Rebellious thoughts. Those thoughts that come against what God wants and what God said. Those all are ways of setting embers on fire. But let me get into, you know, let me get into more detail just a little more detail I mean or let me make it more simplified let me say that um, this is how Satan does this Satan's outside of you 
Satan, the only way Satan can operate in you and through you is if he can find something to attach in you to. So here's Satan. Again, the Bible says he roar, he's, he, he seeks as a roaring lion. He roars around you. He, 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 he walks around you like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But the only way he can devour you is if there's something in you. So here's this. So let's say you have this human reasoning inside of you, or this false argument, or this pride inside of you, or this rebellious thought inside of you, or this unchecked desire or sinful Un, sinful action, unchecked and unrepentant inside of you. So what he does is he looks to initiate a situation or an event or a person to light that thing inside of you. He's looking for something to light on fire inside of you. So he'll send an event, a situation, a person to light that up inside of you. And that ember will free fall from your heart, out of your mouth and on and set a whole nation, a whole family on fire because you don't have any self-control, which is a fruit of the spirit, or because you have not dealt with those evil natures, that sinful nature inside of you, that's producing ungodly things inside of you. You haven't given it over to the Lord. So now Satan has something he can use inside of you and cause you to light a whole fire. One small ember can set a whole forest, a great forest on fire, and he's using you as the match the question is when are you going to get tired of being used by Satan in that manner according to the word it's restless it's evil it's poisonous without God and this kind of illustrates the point why God wants to or desires for us to be baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues and again this is not to condemn this is not about salvation okay so I'm not saying that you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak in tongues to be saved no you're already saved when you did Romans 10 9 and 10 you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart but there's a reason why in the book of Acts it talks about those who were baptized in the Holy Ghost and there were clothes of uh, tongues of fire that were upon their head there's those tongues again why was that important? And again, speaking in tongues is not just about something doing something supernatural because there are a lot of tongue-speaking believers who live like hell. But the purpose of tongues was to give you power to be a witness unto all the earth, but also to give you power to overcome those things in your life. But the biggest thing he wanted you to be able to overcome and he wanted is access to your tongue. He, speaking in tongues gives heaven access to your mouth because it will have access to your heart. Because when you speak in tongues, you speak oracles unto God. You speak in a heavenly language, a spiritual language that is not understandable by natural man. But you also begin to speak the will of God because in your natural, you may not want to speak what God says. You may not want to speak or come in agreement with what God wants in your life when you pray in your natural tongue but when you pray in the spirit or you pray spiritual language you pray the will of God because it's the spirit that prays on your behalf and I've seen this for myself and I'm saying this again I'm not a master of this but the more I pray in the spirit the more my heart becomes reset or gets retuned or realigned with God's will And when that happens, his will becomes my will because my heart has changed. And whatever is in my heart, my mouth will speak. Again, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And I won't go into further. There's a whole series I can do on that, which God has not let me to do. But read it for yourself in the book of Acts. Speaking in tongues is relevant to today's church. I know people don't want to hear that, but it is. So let's move on to James 9 through 12. Amen. <laughs> Ooh, people like, I ain't trying to hear that. But anyway, God is good. God is good. Amen. So James 3, 9 through 12. And, and again, this is continuing on with the tongue. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father. And sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. 
And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Amen. So the dichotomy of an undisciplined tongue or mouth is here. Our tongue is double-minded by itself and hypocritical without the Holy Spirit. Why do I mean hypocritical? Because at one instance, you're blessing God. In another moment, you're cursing out your, 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 your kids or you're cursing out your spouse or you're cursing out your coworker from the same mouth. I mean, in, in one instance, it praises the Lord. In another instance, it's cursing your brothers and sisters. The same mouth spouting blessings and curses goes contrary to God's will. I mean, can, it says it very well. Can a water spring produce both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? These are contrary things. Whatever is in your heart will be produced out of your heart through your mouth. These are, see, this is where we, the rubber hits the road and we have to say, Lord, what do I do? Lord, how can I get help with this? I'm a double-minded person. You know, this is what Paul's talking about in Romans, the, I believe the sixth chapter said, what a wretched man I am. I'm not sure if it's Romans 6, but it's in the book, either Romans 6, 7, or 8. I think it's Romans 7 or Romans 6. But he talks about how wretched he is because he, the things he's supposed to do, he doesn't do. The things he doesn't, he shouldn't do, he does. This is the, the, the contrary, this is the battle of the old nature versus our new nature in Christ. And likewise, we have these tongue troubles where it's in our heart to say what's right, but we say what's wrong. We go through the same struggle that Paul went through in the book of Romans. So, then the issue is, how do I get this? Right? How do I get my tongue under control? Because it's so all over the place. How do I get to the place where I can lean on God when it comes to this area of my tongue? And it's a valid question, because I didn't want to leave you hanging with just the tongue trouble issue. But how do I get help with this? And I was I was sitting down and I was pondering this in my heart. And God said, Ken, what about your car? And I was like, I would need my car. He says, when you get an oil change, what's the three steps? Well, you flush out the old oil, then you fill it with new oil, and then you operate the car. Like I said, it's the same thing. The same principle applies here. And so I went through it. I said, okay, well, how do I get my tongue under control? And the first thing God said is flush your heart out. In other words, pour out the contaminated issues of your heart when you go into prayer. Look at the book of Hosea, the 14th chapter, the second verse. So how do I flush out my heart? By confessing your sins before God. In Hosea 14, 2 New Living Translation says, Bring your confessions and return to the Lord. Say to him, Forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Beloved, fess up. Confess. Fess it up. Look, my heart ain't right. I got these contaminated issues in my heart. I got these roots of evil in my heart. I meditate on these evil things in my heart and I need it to be flushed out. First John 1 and 9 says this, But if we confess our sins to him, him being God, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. There's the fleshing out. But you got to be honest with where you are. You got to spill it all out to him. Whatever you don't flush out will contaminate whatever you put in. So flush it all out. Let him flush it all out for you. But step two is fill the heart. So once you are flushed out, fill your heart with God's word 
by meditating on his word. And of course, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is always Joshua 1, 7 and 8. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Key word is meditate. Think on, meditate on it day and night. See, you you meditate on something anyway. What what do you mean by meditate, Brother Ken? You think about, whatever you think about continually is what you meditate on. So you might as well meditate on God's word if you want to get filled with his word. There's also, uh, you can find, excuse me, sorry about this. Also, you have to think about what's in your thoughts. You have to think about what's in your thoughts. Because whatever you think about is going to eventually get from your thought life into your heart. And will, what's ever in your heart will come out of your mouth. So what does that mean? You need to have get control of your mind. Philippians 4 Finally, brothers, finally believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable and worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of a good report or good repute, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think continually on these things, center your mind on them and implant them in your heart. And that's Philippians 4.8 in the Amplified Version. So it's not enough just to meditate on the Word. Um, but let me not say that. It's, it's, it starts with meditating on the Word. I apologize. Because when you meditate on the Word, you begin to think about what you're meditating on. Meditation is committing to thought. What you commit to thought, you commit to heart, according to Philippians 4.8. And then there's also Psalms 119.9-6, which is one of my favorite verses. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping a watch on himself, according to your word, conforming his life to your precepts. With all my heart, I have sought you inquiring of you and, and longing for you. Do not let me wander from your commandments, neither, ig- neither through ignorance nor by willful disobedience. There it is. Your word I have treasured and stored in my heart that I might not, that I may not sin against you. Blessed and reverently praised are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told all of all the ordinances of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and thoroughly regard your ways. The path of life established by your precepts, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. That's Psalms 119 verses 9 through 16 in the Amplified. See, this is, you, you, for him, for to flush out your heart, you have to fill your heart. You flushed out the evil, now fill it with the good. And the word of God is, is good. It is food. Even Jesus said, when they said, Lord, eat something, he said, I'm already full. He said, men shall not live by bread alone. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, when you're taking time to devote yourself to study and to the reading of God's word, you're filling your heart with his word. You're meditating on his heart, on his word, thus filling your heart with those things. And so now that you have flushed out, you've allowed God to flush out your heart and you've allowed God to fill your heart with his word. Now you speak from the heart, a heart full of his word will speak his word in season and out of season. Let's take a look at some scriptures on that, right? Look at John 3, 34 in the Amplified. It says, For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, proclaiming the Father's own message. For God gives the gift of the Spirit without measure, generously and boundlessly. So here, it's telling you that if God 
If God has sent you, he will speak through you his words. In other words, a famous word for that is you're a conduit. You're a vessel of the God, of the Spirit of God. Another one, Ezekiel 12, 25. Again, I'm in the Amplified Version. For I, the Lord, will speak, and whatever word I speak will be accomplished. It will no longer be delayed. For in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the word, and I will fulfill it, says the Lord God. See, you allow, availing yourself to God to speak through you allows God to, to speak and to accomplish what he purposed to do. One of the things that also is very important, and, and I will say this, is in Ezekiel 37, 1 through 10. Many of you know this about the Valley of Dry Bones. But here's the important thing. I'm going to read this and I'm going to emphasize some things. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the valley of the down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass all around them, and behold, there were very, there were many, there were very many human bones in the open valley, and lo, they were all very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, Prophesy to these bones. And say to them, keyword being prophesied, and say, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will make breath enter you, so that you may come to life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin, and I will put breath in you, so that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. Here's the key verse. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a thundering noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on the bones, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds. O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they came to life, and stood up on their feet, an exceedingly great army. My key point is, when he told him to prophesy, the prophet Ezekiel prophesied as the Lord commanded him to. So it was no longer Ezekiel's words, it was God's words. Why is that important? Because when you speak, when you put the word of God in your heart, again, you had your heart flushed out. Now you filled your heart with his word. Again, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You're going to speak his word. And when his word comes out, it produces life. You will, the dry bones will come together. The sinews will come together. The skin will come back, the flesh will come back, and then the breath of life will come back into dead things. You have the ability to speak God's word and take what was dead and cause it to live because you availed yourself. This is why God wants control of our mouths and our tongue, because life and death is in the power of the tongue. Everything we see in this world was formed by words spoken from God's kingdom, from the Lord himself. He spoke, and it was so. Let there be. In other words, there were words that were spoken into the earth and caused what was voidless and without form to take form and to turn from something voidless to something tangible. The creative power of faith through our mouths will cause things to come to life. That's why the greatest fight between hell and heaven are for three things, your mind, your heart, and your tongue. Satan knows if he can get control of your mind, he has control of your heart, which will cause your mouth to speak hell. That's the portal of hell right there. But God also knows before hell came into existence, he desired your heart, 
which came, he desired your thoughts, your mind, which would then control what's in your heart, which would then control what comes out of your mouth. So here we are, beloved. We do have these tongue issues, tongue troubles, tongue sins, mouth full of sin. But understanding that you have these problems, the worst thing that could happen is for you to stay there. Submit yourselves to God. Let him flush you out. Let him fill you up. And that way you speak what he says, not what you say. Be filled, be baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues so that you can begin to pray the mysteries of God. Not so much that you can just say, look, I speak in tongues, but that you can have power over your tongue because God has control of your tongue. And most importantly, that you have power over your life. Speaking in tongues has more to do with God having given you the power to overcome those things in your life. Not to make a grand show of the fact that you speak in tongues. I mean, let's be honest. Even the kingdom, witches speak in tongues. They speak demonic tongues. So don't get enthralled by the fact that you speak in tongues. Uh, the spirit of God, when you speak your heavenly language, it's so that God can have control of you especially your tongue. Amen? I I pray that this word was a a blessing to you. I pray that it ministers to you and and, and changes your life in so many ways. Because if we could get control of our thought life and our heart issues, it would control what comes out of our mouth. And I'm saying this because I too struggle with this area. But here I have the word of God before me. So I won't be this way next time, this time next year. Because God has me. God has my thoughts. God has my heart. And God has my tongue. And I pray the same for you. Amen? So listen, beloved. um, Again, I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of uh, Believer to Follower, Episode 6, Tongue Troubles. Um, and I pray that you stick around um, for those who may not um, know the Lord as Savior. Please stay around. There's a, I want to lead you in the prayer of salvation. Um, and then for those who may have fallen away, maybe you walked away, pray the same prayer. Either way, God's faithful and committed to you. Just come home. Amen? And for those who just, you maybe you're just looking for prayer, um, listen, hit me up on our email, ALP, ALP, Trinity one at gmail.com. Um, we have a prayer list that we have. We pray over you, we pray over whatever situation you need prayer for. Um, if you're just looking for a church home, email us, um, feel free. If you want to hit me up on my Facebook page, Instagram page, um, if you want to DM me, don't put it on the page. Um, I think I have it set up where it DMs automatically anyway, but send it by DM. Um, getting a lot of DMs on Facebook. Um, so feel free to do that that way, and then we'll get to you. Amen? So love you guys. Look, be blessed. I'm, I pray you had a great Thanksgiving holiday, and I'm praying that your Christmas holiday be blessed um, as well. And um, again, we love you. We are praying for you, and we look forward to the next time we get together. Until we meet again. Love you.
Hey, thank you for listening to another podcast. For now, we're going to offer the call of salvation. And I'm going to offer you two scriptures. The first one is Romans 10, 9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The other one, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So now, I'm going to ask you to pray this with me in faith. And I want you to believe that everything you pray is true and God will answer. So pray this after me. Lord, I admit I am a sinner. I need and want your forgiveness. I accept your death as the penalty for my sin. I recognize that your mercy and grace is a gift you offer to me because of your great love. Not based on anything I have done. Cleanse me and make me your child. By faith, I receive you into my heart as the Son of God and as Savior and Lord of my life. From now on, help me live for you with you in control. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Welcome to the family. Feel free to give us a shout out on our Facebook page or our Instagram page or on our uh, you can email us at alptrinity1 at gmail.com or you know however you choose to reach out to us but we want to know if you received Christ we want to make information and materials available to you if you have for your next steps and if you need a help finding a faith based Bible teaching Bible believing church home We have resources available to you, so we look forward to hearing from you. We are excited for you. Welcome to the family. We love you, and God bless you. Welcome home, Columbia. Beautiful, beautiful.